0: And this morning, we're going to continue a series we've been in for a number of weeks now, Simplify, where we've been talking about how to make this life easier to do and easier to understand, and Jesus has given us a beautiful template for how to do that. Now, how we started this entire series, we started with this statement or this big idea, and that was this, that there is a spiritual battle going on for our time and our attention, our time and our attention. In other words, there is a very real sense that these are non-renewable resources in our life, that we only have so much time and so much attention to give every single day. And then once it's gone, it's gone. And Jesus' invitation to us is to say, listen, let me help you right-size the load for this life, to be able to live this life in such a way that it doesn't feel like the demand on you is overloading what you have to give with your time and your attention. This call to simplify our life is beautiful. It's powerful. We've been looking at it over the last several weeks, and that it's been proven that when we start to simplify our life, our anxiety and our stress will begin to come down our the feelings internal peace and focus our attention level goes up our capacity to love other people and to love God it goes up it's beautiful it's so powerful and we started with this invitation let me just read it to you that Jesus gives us over in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11 starting with verse 28 oh here it is Praise the Lord for that scream working. Okay, here's what he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. This is so powerful. Jesus is giving a description of himself. He's saying, here's why I want you to come and follow me. Here's why I want you to come and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. Very few things that you're going to learn from in this world are going to be gentle and humble. But Jesus is saying, I am a gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, this is the byproduct of you taking on my yoke on your life. You will find rest for your souls at a time when, oh my goodness, who, who wouldn't want to find more rest for their souls right now? Oh my goodness, more than ever, Right? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a beautiful promise that is. So powerful. And Jesus is giving us this simplified invitation to life, not because we are incapable of a life of ever-increasing complexity. We are absolutely capable of that. If most of us were honest, we would say, yeah, I'm doing that right now. Even during quarantine, to I'm, And maybe you're not even really doing quarantine anymore because you're working and you're out of the house a lot, but life has become frenetic and it is fast-paced and you're saying, man... I, it's ever increasing complexity big time All new rules, all new normal now It's not because Jesus didn't know that, or think that we can live like that He just knows if we live like that It's going to bring burdens and weariness to our life Without a doubt And it robs us of the very life he created us to live So Jesus, this is genius He doesn't promise an easy life Anybody who promises you an easy life is selling you something. Jesus is saying, I'm not promising you an easy life, but I am promising you an easy yoke. And as we found out last week, a yoke is a piece of farming equipment that helps you to bear up under a load. And he's saying, I want to show you how to live under the weight of life because we all have to bear a load in this life. Bear up under that weight of life with ease, the way I have. And you can learn from me. And you can learn to live like this. And many of us would say, where do I sign up, Jesus? How do I learn how to do that? Because if we're really honest, we're not really living like that. That's not really a reflection in our life right now. And we're left asking, how do we do this? How do we do this? It's so important. Last week, we said it this way. Here's how it begins. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. This Herein lies, ladies and gentlemen, the secret to the easy yoke. This is how we find it. If we want the life, and lots of people see it say, yeah, I'd like to have that peace that Jesus has. I'd love to have that confidence. I'd love to have that kind of connection with the Father. He says it's easy. Then just do what I do. Follow my lifestyle. And that's what this series is all about, is breaking down. What are those disciplines? What are those habits, those behaviors that Jesus did? He's asking us to do what I do. Learn from me. Take the seeking yoke from me. I'm gentle and humble at heart. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to find rest for your souls. Now, one of the critical components to us being able to do this is going all the way back to the design and intentionality behind our creation. Something that Jesus understood about us, that we have to know what he knew about us. And here's what he knew. When we go back to our origin story, our origin story in Genesis tells us that we were made in two ways. Number one, that we were made in God's image. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, that we are made in God's image, which means we're made with full of potential, that we literally have the, this divine capacity for potential stamped on our DNA. It's beautiful that we are called and we are equipped and we are created to be able to live in such a way that we reflect the character and nature of God in the way we live here on this earth. Now, we, we, in doing that, he's called us to rule this world, what does that mean? That means to, do, to rule like God ruled is taking the resources that this planet offers, reshaping them, and creating a world that allows human beings to thrive and to flourish. This is what he's called us to do. It's beautiful. And he's given us phenomenal potential to be able to have great impact in this way. But not only did he make us in his image, but secondly, and this one's a little less popular, he made us from dust. Very next chapter, Genesis chapter two, verse seven, we're made from the dust, which means from the dirt. We're made from the dirt, which very much implies that we are full of limitations. That not only are we full of potential, but we're full of limitations. We're told, and we hear this often, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are the original biodegradable containers, right? Though our soul, we're told, will live forever. Everybody lives forever someplace. That's something clearly that Jesus taught. But these bodies do not live forever. They have limitations. And it's funny, if if we're going to truly take serious this idea of being an apprentice of Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus, we must live into both of these, both potential and limitations, and if I could be just really honest, I'm not talking about just the world at large, but even within the Christian community, man, there's a lot of talk about live your full potential, live your full life, go and go for it, do it all, embrace it, you can do it all, you know, live out of great faith, live out that dream that God's put in your heart, and I am all for it, Ask my wife. That's me. That's the way I like to live. Absolutely. But if I can be brutally honest, what we hear very little of, and I have had to learn the hard way from the Lord over the years in my own life, is that we also need to accept our limitations. You don't hear a lot of Books and there's not a New York Times bestseller. Accept your limitations. There's only so much you can do. Like nobody, nobody's writing that book, right? That's not a super popular, but we see this throughout scripture. And we also can just verify it in our own life. We all have limitations. These bodies of ours, they're limited, right? If you try to keep demanding, demanding, demanding out of your body, eventually it will begin to break down and you will get less and less out of it. And how much we can get out of the body is directly correlated to how well you take care of the body, right? It's a stewardship issue, right? Absolutely. And our minds are the same way. There's only so much we can get out of the minds. And if we don't rest, recuperate, refresh, then our minds and what we used to be able to get out of our minds, we're going to lose that. We have limitations on our gifting, our abilities, our talents. They're not all the same. Everybody, my gifting's different than yours. And everybody's got different giftings and talents and abilities, and they have limits. There's only so far that they allow us to go. Even when we talk about personalities, and we talk about temperaments, every personality type has a strength, has incredible potential, but it also comes with it, you already know what's coming, a limitation, a weakness. And we need to know what those are, and we need to accept them and just say, you know what, it's okay, that's part of who I am, that's part of being human, that's part of this life. And finally, our families, our families of origin, they can be tremendous blessings in our life, but also, if we can be brutally honest, they also can bring limitations. That there were things that didn't happen in the home that probably should have, and there were things that did happen in the home that probably should not have that cause limitations on you as an adult, things that you're gonna, hurdles that now you need to get over, things that you have to learn that you didn't learn in the home, things that that family of origin created limitations in your life. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, that it's so important that we don't compare our lives with other people and get frustrated and depressed when we don't live up to somebody else's standard because we did not all start from the same starting line. Let's be honest our our stories are not all the same. Some of us some of us started on second base. Others of us started in the parking lot. We weren't even on the field yet, all right? And it's it's a different story. And we all have different levels of limitations and it's so important for us to be wise about this and not to expect everybody's story to turn out the same and everybody's call is going to be the same and everybody God's will for everybody's life is going to look exactly the same. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, there are even limits to God's call on our lives. Let me explain. My mind immediately goes to the story of when Jesus is talking to Peter, the Gospel of John chapter 21, where he's talking to Peter and it's, When he's reinstating Peter, Peter had denied him, and now Jesus is saying, "Now I'm gonna accept you back as a disciple, and he's giving him his call on his life. He's saying, I want you to go feed my sheep. I want you to take care of my lambs. I want you to care for my people. I want you to spend the rest of your life doing this one assignment. And what does Peter say? He looks over at John with a little envy in his heart, and he says, well, what about him? (laughs) What about his call? And I kind of like to switch. Maybe I could switch out calls with John. I mean, it seems like John has got a little bit better deal or a different deal. I'd rather have his. And it was just really beautiful. Jesus gently reprimands Peter here in verse 22. He says, What is that to you? You must follow me. What is it to you what I tell John? That's between me and John. John, his assignment, he's got a whole different level, a whole other call, a whole other set of limitations he's going to have to work with. But I'm telling you right now, what I want you to do, I want you to look at what I have put in your hand right now, what I am telling you to do, what I'm calling you to do. And sometimes we do that. Isn't that true? Where we say, I don't know if I want this job. I don't want to be here taking care of these kids all day long. I'm not sure I want to be in the middle of uh, this quarantine time and all of these extra measures that we have to take. It's so frustrating and there's all this whole new normal I've got to learn and all this. I don't want to, and Jesus is saying, this is where I put you strategically on purpose with intentionality. And I don't want you to second guess it. I want you to know that I'm going to use you in the middle of all of this. It's so important that we begin to understand and and really begin to, to be open to the concept that what if... What if limitations were not something to fight against? But what if limitations were something to accept and to be grateful for? And to to recognize that they are guardrails from God to help guide us in His will and in His uh, His will and His call on our life, that He's trying to, to, to direct us with limitations. I love what Peter Schizero said in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leader. This is a bold statement, but I love it. He says, we find God's will for our lives in our limitations. Wow, have you ever heard that before? I don't think I had before he wrote it down. It's so true. Absolutely. We find God's will for our lives in our limitations. Don't be afraid of them. Embrace them. Say, that's me. I'm not good at that. I can't do it all. That's all right. Nobody can do it all. And it's important for us to begin to understand that there are limitations. And one limitation that we all share, all of us, is time. We all are limited on time. We all only have 24 hours a day. And we have to rest. We all only have 168 hours a week. And I think this is the reason why the Apostle Paul takes this yoke of Jesus, this teaching of Jesus, and he parlays it, he relays it for us in this letter to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, and here's what he says to us. And he's saying it to us today, too. He says, look carefully, then, how you walk or how you live, another translation says, many of them, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, and I love this statement, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. This, this phrase, making the best use of the time, also could be um, to invest your time well, to buy up at market price, the time that God has given you. Redeem the time. Make the most of the opportunities that lie before you right now. Why would he say that? Because it is a non-renewable resource. Once your time is gone, it's gone. You can always make more money if you run out of money, but you do not get more time. You don't get more time. And this was uh, over and over, the idea that we've got to invest it well, be, be, be careful how we invest it, And understand that life is a series of choices. You're making choices every day, so am I. And every yes is a thousand no's. Every yes to every activity we say yes to, we're saying no to a thousand activities that we're not going to be able to do because we just can't be two places at one time. And here's the really cool thing about looking at the Jesus as our yoke for how to follow, how to do this, is that Jesus submitted himself to this exact same limitation over and over in his life. You see this. It's beautiful because Jesus was a busy man. He had a lot going on, but he was never stressed. You never saw him in a frenzy of saying, oh, just just talk to Judas over there and he'll take your name and number and I'll get back with you. I gotta go. I gotta catch a flight. I gotta just go speak in, in, you know, Jerusalem, TEDx over there. (laughs) He never did that. He was always willing to slow down and in the context of his moment to do what was most necessary and I think it's so beautiful here to begin to look at this model when we look at this model of Jesus what did he do to model for us what we can apprentice today I want to look at two scenarios from the New Testament one is from Luke chapter 5 and the other one is from Mark chapter 1 let's first look at Luke 5 we're told that crowds of people came near him I mean, hundreds, at times, thousands of people pressing in, demanding Jesus' time. They want his time. They want him to heal him. They want to speak to him. And, and, And there's only so much. There's only one Jesus, right? And he is busy, busy, busy. But I love the very next verse. Verse 16 tells us this. Jesus often, often, notice that word, often withdrew to a lonely place where it was just him and prayed time alone with his heavenly Father. So these went together. Busy, lots of people demanding his time, lots of people coming to hear him, but often he would pull away, make margin and time in his schedule. Here's another way that he did it. In Mark chapter 1 verse 35, I love this. Very early in the morning. How early? Check it out. While it was still dark. That's early, right? That's really early. Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he could pray. Often he did this. He would carve out time. He would get up early. What I want you to see here is that Jesus was a man of margin because he was a man of limitations. and He submitted himself to the same types of limitations that we do so that he could model for us, here's how you handle it, guys and gals. Here's how you deal with it. Is that you have to... Make space. Be intentional about creating space in your day. You only get so many hours, you gotta invest them wisely. Make space for your heavenly father. And what I mean by margin, I love this definition, the space between our load and our limits. There needs to always be some space between the load that we're carrying and the limit, the absolute limit. Like, that's all I can do. Most people, there's very little to no margin in life. And Jesus showed us, create margin. Give yourself some breathing room. It's so important to have that margin. I know for some of you you may be saying, well, that's great for Jesus, and that's great for pastors like you and other people, but I just don't have it to give. I don't have the time. Hey, I get it. It's a busy time. I think it's time that we take a step back and really evaluate our life, and with that said, I came across an interesting study this week. that was done by Philip Zimbardo. He wrote a book called The Demise of Guys, and he, in his research, found that the average 21-year-old guy in this country, by the age of 21, has played 10,000 hours of video games, 10,000 hours of video game by the age of 21. Now, when I say 10,000 hours, some of you, it immediately makes a light bulb go on because there have been so many books written about this 10,000-hour rule or have referenced it in their books. And the idea behind the 10,000-hour rule is that if you want, any average person wants to become an expert in any field or discipline or profession, what they need to do is invest 10,000 intentional hours, thereabouts, And you will be considered an expert in that field. It's interesting, at 10,000 hours, you can get your undergraduate and master's in nearly any discipline in 10,000 hours. Now, let me throw out another question. It was kind of intriguing, I found out this week. Guess how much time the average American spends on social media per year? The answer is 705 hours. Now, let's ask the same question, how much does the average American spend on television per year? The answer is 2,737 and a half hours. Woo, that's a lot of time, right? And here's the interesting thing. I did a little math. You know, I'm not great at math, but I can do this, right? You add those two together, and in under three years, you have 10,000 hours. In under three years, you can become a master or an expert in nearly any craft, discipline, profession In in under three years, you could memorize, not just read the New Testament, you could memorize the New Testament. You could do so many things with your life. Or you could beat level four on call of duty. You see my point, right? Not all investments of time are created equal. It's so important, guys, that we begin to ask the question, is this investment of my time that I'm doing whenever we have discretionary time, ask the question, is this investment of my time that we're doing, is this life-giving or is this mind-numbing? Is it life-giving or is it mind-numbing? I mean, for us and for our kids, for the people around us that we have influence on, the people around us that we love and care for, it's important that we're talking about and thinking about this. And here's why. Because how we spend our time is how we spend our lives, and it is who we become. And it also is who our children become. We are a direct result of the investment of our time because it is our lives we're talking about. Our time comes down to it's our lives. And it's so important that we begin to ask that difficult question. It's so important. And the simple truth that is hard to hear for many of us, if we could just be brutally honest, is we have the time. We have the time. We're just either too weak, too distracted, or too addicted to do what we know is important to do. And most of us already know that about ourselves, and we hate the fact that we become so addicted. And and we're we're yearning for the answer to this question. We want to know the answer to this question. How do we adopt Jesus' easy yoke of margin? How do we do that? How do we incorporate that will? It's simple, Jesus would say it's simple. Not always simple to do, but it's simple to understand. Jesus would say, come, follow me. He would say the same thing to you as he did to Peter. What is all of that to you? all of the stuff that consumes your time and distracts you and has got you mind numbing kind of like just long stretches of time i'm calling you to come and follow me this is what i'm at. like if you want the you want the life where your soul finds true rest you want to find the easy yoke you have got to begin to start the discipline of margin That may mean getting up early, that may mean carving out time at your lunchtime, that may mean going in the bathroom sometimes and locking the door and just saying, this is the only quiet place I can find to be alone with God right now, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to take advantage of whatever God has given me. It's so important that we begin to do that, to begin to back up, because Jesus modeled this for us over and over, and here's what he showed us. Jesus made time for relationships, first with his father and secondly with others. These were his two priorities, to love God, to love other people. And he says, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to do these things. I want you to, to follow me in these things. In every relationship, ladies and gentlemen, every relationship requires Time. There's never been a relationship that says, Oh, you don't have to put any time into this. You don't have to invest anything uh, other than just think about it occasionally. No, that's not how relationships work. And I want you to think about this with me for a minute. Imagine for a moment your spouse came to you. Now, I realize some of you may not have a spouse, but let's just say you do have a spouse someday, all right? Or you're in a serious relationship and the other person comes to you and says, Look, our marriage our relationship is in jeopardy like it's not good it is unhealthy and I think it's falling apart and here is the thing I'm asking of you right here's the one thing that I think or the two things I think could make all the difference could you spend at least 15 minutes a day with me just us spending time together and then on the weekend could you give me one day just set aside one day in seven to just to be with me, and we could be together and make some memories and do some things and be together. And if you looked at your spouse and said, "I am so sorry, but I just don't have the time," then anybody, anybody—it doesn't it have to be a professional counselor or therapist. Uh, it doesn't have to be anybody who has those qualifications. Anybody could tell you, "You are too busy to have a spouse. You're too busy." And at best, this marriage is going to be a vacant type relationship. At worst, it's going to be completely non-existent. It's just two people cohabitating and really have no connection, no relationship at all. And what I just described in that marriage is how many people feel about their relationship with God. I I, I feel like God, he's there somewhere, but it just feels non-existent. It just feels vacant. I don't really know why I don't have the connection. And God would say to you because you're not making margin, if you would just give me 15 minutes a day, if you just carve out one of your weekend, uh, one of the days out of the weekend to worship me, spend time with me, pray to me, just a special day that you set aside to rest and be with me, I promise you, it will radically change this relationship. It'll be a completely different relationship in a very short period of time. This is the yoke that we're called to carry. And if we're still saying, you know what, I just don't have the time, the reality is time is not the issue. It's the misuse of the time that we do have. That's the big issue. Let's be honest, at least own that. That if we're too busy for Jesus, we're too busy There's something we need to change and rearrange in our life to begin to make time, to get up a little earlier, to carve out time somewhere. It's so important. And those of you who have been longing for God, want to be closer to God, want to be connected to God, this is how we do it. Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and do what I am doing. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So the question I want to ask you, are you willing to arrange your time, your margin, so that Jesus' life becomes your new normal? Would you be willing to do that? Just to begin to carve out, just make a schedule and say, I'm going to put first, I'm going to put time for God, and then I'm going to put in everything else. I'm going to start with that. I'm going to make time for that. I'm going to make that a priority And I promise you that the relationship that you share with God, the relationship between you and Jesus, it becomes very, very different. It becomes much closer, much more intimate. It begins to open up. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to go into this further of how do we begin to incorporate these disciplines of Jesus into our daily lives. Like having silence and solitude. What do we do in those times? And how do we take a Sabbath? How do we take that time to be alone with him? How do we simplify? It's such an important question to ask, and we're gonna be diving into that more over the next couple of weeks. I hope that you will not miss out on that. But for today, here's our prayer of application of really putting this into action in our own life. It's simply saying, Jesus, I will arrange my time so that there is more margin to love you and others. I want more of you. If that's the cry of your heart today, just to say, I want more of God. And maybe you're already a believer today. You're already a follower of Jesus, but honestly, there's a yearning in your heart to say, I want more of God. You know what? It will come down to creating margin. The allocation of time, of really just saying, I'm gonna invest more time with him. I just wanna encourage you to look at your life and say, where can I do that? to carve out a little TV time, a little online time, to be able to give that back to the Lord. The investment of that time is so incredibly life-giving instead of mind-numbing. And I want to encourage you today, would you just follow what the Spirit of God is nudging your heart to do? And right now, I want to ask you, if you would, let's bow together in prayer. And in this moment of prayer, I'm going to ask you to make this commitment with me to arrange our time better so that there is more margin to love God and spend time with God and to love other people. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's BrazosFellowship.com.